Good morning. It is wonderful to be with you. Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11, where we continue our series preaching through this book. Uh, Chapter 11, this well-known listing of people of faith throughout the Old Testament with brief description of how their faith was exercised. And uh, we talked last week that the purpose of this list is not to be a discouragement that look how great their faith was and then we feel in comparison that we are so much weaker that our faith is so much of a struggle in comparison. Uh, This chapter is introduced by the last verse of chapter 10, and I want us to to see that again, that we would uh, keep in mind the framework of, of why the writer is giving us these examples and what he wants us to see about ourselves and and what we're growing in. Hebrews 10, verse 39. We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Every person in Christ has faith that God has given a gift of God that he established, that he put in us, and so all of us can grow and be mature and strong in our faith. And the list given to us is meant to encourage us that we might see how God has always been at work through his people in their difficulties, building faith that was of substance such strength that it continues to be an example to us today. So we have reached in verse 8, Abraham, who is uh, the preeminent example of faith given to us in God's word. In Galatians chapter 3, we're told he is the man of faith. And in Romans chapter 4, it describes him as the father of faith. He is the father of those who believe. The the Bible presents Abraham as a great example to us of one who by faith entrusted himself to the Lord and by faith then lived before God. And that's what we want to see today. For all Christians have the same Faith. Not all in the same degree and strength and maturity, but the same essence, what our faith is in and the reality of what faith is. Every believer has the same faith. So as we read and work through these verses, we are to see ourselves on the page. This is about us. It is for us. Hebrews 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, 
he went to the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah, his wife, considered uh, herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. For if they had been thinking of the land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Our Heavenly Father, we praise you for your grace to us that includes the gift of faith that you have given us that we might see and hear and believe and know and be able to grow stronger in how we trust you. And Lord, we all ask that you'd help us to mature in these things. And so we ask for clarity of thought, of heart, wisdom in how to apply your word. And together we ask that if there are any here who have not received the gift of faith, who have not trusted in Christ, that you would open their eyes to desire and see and call upon you for it this day in Jesus' name. Amen. In these verses, we, we come across four statements of faith that we share, and so that we can lean into, that we can expect to see growing in our life. The first is that we share this faith to leave our former life. The book of Genesis chapter 12 begins the narrative of Abraham and God's calling to this man who lived in a, a very pagan place and, and very likely had not known the truth of the Lord God. But in some way, God came to him, spoke to him and said this. In Genesis 12, 1 and 2, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. So then in verse 8 of our passage, it tells us that by faith, 
Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Imagine the scene. So Abraham is, he has all his stuff and sacks and bags all around him. He's got the pack animals, his family, everything is uh, in a frenzy. He's, he's loading what a, a lifetime of accumulation would be. And lifetime friends run up and says, it, it, it's true, you're, what I've heard, you're leaving us. Why? The true God spoke to me and he, he told me to go. Where? Uh, I don't know. He said he would let me know. When? Uh, I don't know. He told me to go. He will lead me. That's crazy. Perhaps you've had similar conversations. What are you doing? It's okay to believe in God. Just don't go crazy with it. You don't have to go that far. Debbie and I had dinner with a pastor and his wife who spoke, I guess, I think 21 years ago. They had had a very successful business. They were living very well with a a large, beautiful new home with nice cars, and God spoke to them and called them into ministry and particularly to a small backwater church. And their family was in shock. You can't do that. It won't support you. You cannot give up everything. That's not wise. It doesn't make sense. And if this world is all there is, it doesn't. It's not always easy to entrust ourselves completely without restraint, without reservation, to wholly entrust our life and where it goes and what happens to the Lord God, that he rules and whatever he says, we will do. That's not always easy. But Abraham, he believed that life with God was the best possible life he could have. And so he He entrusted himself to what God said that did not make sense to anyone who knew Abraham and and very well may not have always made sense to him. Like Abraham, you don't know all that living for Christ will bring to your life. But you do know. Jesus, who leads you, you do know the person that you're following. And you do know how he has led you. 
you know what he has given up, what he endured, what he sacrificed. You do know his commitment to love those broken and insufficient and struggling. You know how much sacrifice he is willing to take on for you for we are following the eternal Lord God born into a manger, died on a cross, risen from the tomb, all to pay for our sin that we might be cleansed as we have already sung that we might know him and be with him so that we can follow him. And when we when we know Jesus, when, when we see beyond not just things he's asked us to do, when we see it's about the person of Jesus we're following, then with gladness of heart, we, we too obey what it means to, to set aside former life, to entrust ourselves completely to the life Jesus is leading us in. We can't show the people around us what our inheritance is. We can't open a checkbook or, or show them, look, this is what it's doing for me. We can't show them that, but, but we know it's true. We know his goodness is true. We know where he is leading us is real. We know that because our faith is real. Because we are people, not who shrink back, but people of faith who are preserved. So we share in this Faith to leave our former life. Secondly, we share this faith to persevere through difficulty. Verses 9 and 10. By faith, Abraham went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents, with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Following God didn't remove the challenges of life from Abraham. Uh, verse 9 tells us that where he went, was, where he went to was a, a foreign land. It also tells us that they lived in tents, not in towns, always moving, their home temporal, never having a place they were rooted in. Verse 13 says they were strangers and exiles. They were not always welcomed when they showed up. There was competition for the grasslands that their animals needed. There were fights. Uh, of over even water rights for wells that they needed to live. And even after decades, 
having followed God and living in a land promise that he didn't own, even after decades there, he did not own enough land that was his to even bury his wife. He had to buy this small plot of land to bury his wife, telling the owners of it, even at the end of life, I'm a stranger and an exile here. Can I, can I buy this land to bury my wife in? How did Abraham persevere over years of promise given, but not having it completely fulfilled? Verse 10 tells us, he trusted in a city with foundations. Notice the language there. He went and he's living in a tent. He trusts in a city with foundations. A tent is not a city. A tent doesn't have foundations. He was looking to what God would establish, which was far greater, which was permanent. He was trusting in the word of God the character of God, the person of God that he knew. Abraham's hope was not a future that he would build by sheer commitment and sweat of his brow and his wisdom and cleverness. Though he worked hard and and sought to be a wise man, but his hope was not that He would build a life for himself and his family. His hope is that God had for him a hope for him and his family, his his sons and grandsons and all who would follow. We are also strangers and exiles. The apostle Peter Reminds us of this a few times in our our study of First and Second Peter. Uh, we we read that language in First Peter two eleven. He writes to the church, "Dear friends, I urge you as as foreigners, as exiles, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul." He's saying, Christians, you. You are strangers in your own in lands, your, your own neighborhoods, even if you grew up there and know everyone around you. Because you trust me, you are different from the world you live in. And you have become strangers. You, you've become an exile even in your own homeland. We, we are an awkward fit, are we not? in a world that has no concern for God. We we cannot fit in when the truths of God are despised and where the very foundations of what God says are denied as being true. We're an awkward fit in a world that increasingly is angry at us because we will not go along. We will not 
we will not sacrifice what is true of God and what he has called of us. And our hearts ache over the world's blindness to its own self-destructive patterns and behaviors. And we see how what they believe and pursue, we see how it will end up. And it concerns us. Did you see the, uh, the commercial? It ran quite a bit a few months ago. The commercial about uh, people in a horror movie and what their choices are. <laughs> and you have these you know, group of young people desperately running at night, stumbling, falling down. And, uh, and one of them's young, we got to get out of here. And finally they come and there's this old mansion one of them is saying, yeah, let's hide in the attic. Another, let's hide in the basement. The, the blonde says, why can't we get into this running car? That's crazy. Let's hide behind the chainsaws. <laughs> and that actually is how our world is thinking. Let's, let's go to Jesus, God in flesh, who's already demonstrated his love and his power by his death for sin, by his resurrection, the one who rules, the one who's good, the one who heals, the one who holds, the one who loves, why don't we go to Jesus? Why don't we trust his word? And the world says, that's crazy. Let's say that it doesn't matter what your gender is and it doesn't matter what truth is. Let's just make it up and whatever we feel will be good. Haven't we ever heard of consequences? I mean, don't we know like, what we feel? How, how often has that really worked for you? Just what I feel, I will give myself completely to. I won't think about it, I'll just feel it. What, what happens when we make wrong choices? Other consequences. And we live in a world that it's like it's pretending that there, there are none. Faith doesn't lift us out of and above the groaning of this world. Faith does carry us through the groaning of this world. We still live with plenty of uncertainty, and yet we are completely certain about how it all ends up. And so we, we endure loss and pain now because where we're headed cannot be lost 
and there will be no pain. We share this faith to leave our former life. We share this faith to persevere through difficulty. And third, we share this faith to trust what God has promised. Verses 11 and 12. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age, meaning of childbearing, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many of the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Now, this was a big trust by Abraham and Sarah. This was not small. God promised Abraham and Sarah that they would have descendants that would become a great multitude and God would bless his descendants and by his descendants, the the earth would itself be blessed. And then years turned into decades. And the decades had their way upon the bodies of Abraham and Sarah. And he's now a hundred. She's past the physical capacity to bear a child. And they trusted what God had said. In Romans chapter 4, it describes this. Romans 4.18, against all hope. Abraham in hope believed. And so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him. So shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. He faced those facts. Yet, he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. At times, their faith did stagger. Abraham, at one point, tried to help God out. Sarah wasn't having children, so he had a child through her servant. Sarah, at one point, when an angel renewed the promise, she secretly laughed over it. And when the angels of the Lord said, why did you laugh? Oh, I didn't laugh. (laughs) But faith, faith was a reality not of their strength and determination. Faith was a reality that God himself had embedded in their souls. And so that faith remained. 
And now at times it, it staggered. It stood. It persevered because it is of God. Your faith is not your strength. It is God's gift. And he by his strength enables you to grow in it and to exercise the practices by which it matures and deepens. Where in God's promises do you sometimes stagger? Is it when you hear, therefore now there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus? Do you hear it, but your soul staggers? And you feel condemned. And the, the accuser wants you to think that you are. Do you stagger when you hear that we're more than overcomers, we're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus? And you feel, I don't, I don't feel like an overcomer. Do you stagger when you hear that nothing separates you from the love of God and your own, your own soul is telling you how could he love me do you stagger over him saying I will never leave or forsake you because life right now it, it feels as if God has do you stagger when you read that each one in the church is gifted by the Spirit of God to serve and bring blessing to the church? And you feel you have nothing to offer. For me, I've staggered over a promise that I read and I tell God, you say it. I know it's true, but if, if there's one statement that I'm, I'm tempted to think you're not answering for me. And James, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Who will give it? So often I feel wisdom is what I don't have. And it can feel as though God doesn't provide it. We stagger when we fixate on seeing our condition or our circumstances or our experiences. When we look at ourselves our faith will stagger every time. But when our eyes are fixated on Christ, his character, his faithfulness, his rule, when we fixate on what he has done, then faith 
grows. Faith is strengthened as we follow the example of Sarah, verse 11. By faith, Sarah herself considered, received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful. When we follow the example of Abraham, Romans 4.20, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God was strengthened as he gave glory to God. Faith, it, it swells and it carries us as we look to the word of God and we see him who spoke all that exists into being. We see his faithfulness to his people. We see the wondrous son of God humbling himself to a child in a manger. With parents whom nobody knew we see, we see the heart of Jesus in his touch on people's lives. We see him on the cross saying, Father, forgive them. We hear him saying, today you will be with me in paradise. We, we see the empty tomb. And faith swells and it carries us when it all remains on the person of Jesus Christ, the object of our faith. We share this faith to leave our former life. We share this faith to persevere through difficulty. We share this faith to trust God's promises and, and we share this faith that looks eagerly ahead. Verses 13 to 16, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear they're seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. At some point, Abraham could have decided, I'm just going back. I have family. I have friends. I have a place. But Abraham knew that there's no promise and no hope in turning back. Abraham could both experience the realities of life in this world. It says, having acknowledged they were strangers and exiles. And the word acknowledge is actually stronger than just recognizing. It, it means confession. He confessed. His, his declaration, the reality about himself, was stranger, an alien, an exile. He could, he could see that truth 
and at the same time, hope in the realities to come. To desire a better country that is a heavenly one. To live by faith is to live with a foot in two different worlds, two different realities. We have one foot in this world, the reality of being here, living here, going through our days, our responsibilities, facing what each day brings, and we have a foot in the place we see from afar. Why are eternal realities not fully enjoyed here? Why can't we just all have it now? Because the, the full promise of God cannot exist until sin is eradicated. The promise of God cannot coexist with sin. Sin has to be eradicated and, and we, to live in the fullness of God's promise, we must be completely glorified. Great commandment people who love him with all that we are at all times. We must be like Jesus, which we will be the moment when we see him. If you struggle with hope, you may need to change your daydreams. What is it that you daydream about? We were looking at a house in Ocean City yesterday. You know, this view of the ocean, you know, this curved door with curved windows around it, you know, just stood out and, you know, the arches, everything about this house was special order, manifested craftsmanship, and you think, ooh, it would be nice to be seen coming out of that door. We can daydream about how noble and strong we are, how everyone recognizes us as being wise and good, and we can daydream about our business or about a relationship. We can daydream about all sorts of things that will all fail and crumble and fade. Or we can exchange that. We can actually daydream. We have permission to daydream, to ponder, to think about the eternal city of which we are now citizens. To daydream what will it be like to truly and forever love God with all of our heart. What will it be like to be at the wedding feast where every believer is perfect in how they love God. And it's, it's just all joy. Where we, I don't watch musicals. I don't understand musicals. People don't just start singing in the middle of a statement, a sentence. And I think that's weird. But I have a suspicion that in eternity, life will be like a musical. I think our hearts will be so 
full with the wonder and joy that will just wander off into song at all sorts of times and will be sanctified enough not to be bothered when other people do it. <laughs> We can daydream about our rest. We can daydream about the presence of Jesus. So let's wrap this up with two conclusions. One is about the people of faith who've gone before us. We're talking a lot about the future and looking for the future and keeping that in mind and not being filled with what's right now. But even though they were strangers and exiles, they lived their lives fruitfully in this world. The fact that we live for the future doesn't mean that the present is empty. Luke 13, Jesus tells us, what is the kingdom of God like? What should I compare it? It's like a grain of mustard seed, tiny, that a man took and sowed in his garden, and it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made their nests in it. Our life here, as it grows in faith, can be one that becomes blessing, that brings shade and fruitfulness, and that others can come and receive something of the goodness of the Spirit's work through us. Our, our eyes always on the future doesn't detract from the richness that we can have now in Christ. And the second conclusion is about God who is faithful. This is the reason we can live in faith, because he is faithful. 2 Timothy 2.13 if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. God is not content that we remain weak in faith. So he'll keep working at us, exercising that. He'll keep sifting. He'll keep bringing what will, what will need to be stretched because he's not content with weakness of faith, but neither is he ever ashamed to be called our father. Abraham and Sarah were not supermen, superhuman in faith. They, they're your neighbors in faith. Let's pray. Our heavenly father, we ask that you would confirm your truth to your people and build your truth in your people and produce your fruit through the lives of your people and use your people to bless your people and those around them and draw many to yourself. Do this here in this place through these people who are yours in Jesus in his faithful name, amen.